One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, it's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 10 and Libby and Nate are 7. And I have two kids. Jay is five and Kenny is two. They are so adorable, you guys. And we like to tell a quick story right at the beginning of the episode about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are just to get the mom stuff out of the way up front so it doesn't clutter up our brains while we're doing the rest of the important work of the podcast. So, Deborah, have your kids done anything particularly adorable or awful this week? In a moment of weakness, and I'm thinking back to our interview with Scott Saba from Animal Crackers, and he has teenagers who are almost in college and they don't have social media accounts, which is admirable. I let Tony and Nate make a Twitter profile for our dog. (laughs) And they post things like, I'm in my bed. Aww. And it's pretty cute. And then they said that the first people that they followed were Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Elon Musk, who tweets questionable content, I think. I guess. I'm just wondering how long it'll take before Joe responds personally to their Twitter account. Oh my gosh. I can't even give it out their handle because I don't run anyone to follow them but also they added so many numbers to the end of the puppy's name that (laughs) I can't remember it I guess there are a lot of Cocos in the Twitterverse I guess (laughs) so how about Jay and Kenny what have they been up to I actually have a twofer this week because two really cute things happened one to each kid so that's how I'm justifying it first of all in bittersweet news Kenny has officially moved from calling me mama to calling me mommy it's official now the switch happened it's only a moment of time before i'm mom and then he's moving out of the house oh katie (laughs) but jay had his first soccer match last sunday which was hilarious Mm -hmm. and you know they did not win it was like something out of a movie like During practice before the game, the other team was, like, jumping over obstacles and running backwards and, like, doing a lot of fancy stuff and getting yelled at in Italian. And my team was just like, where's our net? Like, where's the ball? (laughs) Um, But Jay actually stopped two goals. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was really proud. I mean, they scored, like, seven, but he stopped two. And I thought that was awesome for a kid's first game. Did he do like a full body land on the ball or did he kick it he away? Kicked, he kicked it. Okay, nice. <laughs> As a proud mama. Or should you say mommy? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, moving right along. Thank you for that. Uh, screen time in the news today. We are discussing an October 8th New York Times article by Noel Murray called 11 Reality Shows to Watch with Your Older Kids. Well, I talked a little stink about reality TV on our last episode about Izzy's Koala World, so I thought it would be nice to take this opportunity to talk about some reality shows that should maybe be highlighted as examples of what we could and should be watching with our kids. So the shows he listed, some old familiar ones like The Amazing Race, which has been around forever, Survivor, the junior version of Project Runway, obviously The Great British Bake Off, one called Alone, which I had never heard of before, Cutthroat Kitchen, which, if I'm not mistaken, stars my Food Network boyfriend, Alton Brown. (laughs) One called Forged in Fire, Knife or Death, that apparently involves them just, the contestants just slicing through things with knives. I mean, there's a mention of hanging fish, which sounds, you know, pretty gross slash entertaining. The Great Food Truck Race which another favorite podcast of mine, the Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR, referred to as a show all about parking. (laughs) (laughs) Did I already mention Nailed It? Nailed It on Netflix. Uh, One called Penn and Teller Fool Us, which I had also never heard of. And one that I'm obviously going to devote most time speaking about called The Quest, which apparently only existed for one season in 2014. It's going to get a revival on Disney Plus, and the author of the article refers to it as Survivor for LARPers, at which point I'm like, I'm totally in the bag for this show. <laughs> I want to watch it now. <laughs> what is a LARPer? Oh, you know those um, people who go around college campuses having battles with like foam swords? Oh my gosh, Katie, this is so funny because I I read that it's about solving puzzles, performing feats of strength and agility while simultaneously acting out a larger story about the problems facing the ancient mystical kingdom of Everrealm. Uh And I was like, I am never watching that. That sounds terrible. I could have predicted that this would be a split. (laughs) (laughs) So I need to ask then, of the list of 11, what was the one that either you already watch with your kids and you like, or that piqued your interest the most? I think I should give The Amazing Race another chance. I remember watching, watching it a really long time ago, and it sounds like it's improved since then. So I think that would be fun, especially since we can't go anywhere anymore it might be fun to watch other people go to foreign places (laughs) i have such a hard time getting on board with what i think of as the legacy reality tv programs i would definitely put survivor in that group but also kind of the amazing race because it's been there forever and i know that every season is new and there's no reason for me to think there's a barrier to entry based on the fact that i have not been watching for the past 20 years or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's hard to get over that hump in my head for whatever reason yeah i can't believe that survivor is still even on but that's cool yeah good for survivor (laughs) and there are a couple shows that a lot of people have recommended 
like the great British Bake Off, one of my friends just really looks forward to when that is in a new season Mm -hmm. and nailed it. It's supposed to be really good. Nailed it? I don't know if I could do. It seems so mean-spirited because the whole thing is that you're making fun of these people for not being able to replicate really complicated projects, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could handle it. I don't like... Like, you know the scenes in movies or TV shows where the main character does something really embarrassing? Mm-hmm. I have to fast forward through that part. Okay. Every time. So you never liked watching The Office? No. It was so hard. I watched yeah. all of The British Office because it was so prestige at the time, and I thought that I had to. But mm-hmm. it was difficult, so I just kind of gave The American Office a pass. I was like, I put myself through that. I'm done. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) This made me want to try some of these shows with my kids, and they have been watching just like the junkiest garbage YouTube gamer videos recently. Mm -hmm. And I recently told them that they can't watch just anything on YouTube. It has to be something good like Ted Ed. Mm -hmm. And I said shows on TV are better, so maybe this will give them some options. So do you have any follow-up from our last episode? I did just want to throw in that we decided to cover the Screen Time in the News article before the news about Disney's big reorganization came out. So we could have done an article about that, but I didn't want to change it up at the last minute. Essentially, Disney just totally revamped its org chart to focus more on streaming, essentially saying, like, we'll develop all this content not intending for it to go either to movie theaters or to streaming. We'll just develop it and decide later where it goes. It seemed like a real gauntlet thrown to Netflix as far as original kids content in the streaming universe is concerned. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. We've already seen some really interested, interesting stuff come out of Disney+. Plus. Uh, They are definitely, I think, second to Netflix right now as far as new kids content and streaming is concerned. So looks like they're gunning for the top spot. I knew nothing about this, so thank you for bringing it to my attention. I will read up on it after our episode. (laughs) Today, we are reviewing Julie and the Phantoms, a pretty much brand new show on Netflix. It premiered September 10th, 2020. It has a nine episode first season. The episodes are all a little bit different in time, ranging from 24 to 38 minutes. It's a live action show in which Julie is a teenage girl, fronts a band of teen boys who have been dead for 25 years. It's a weird premise, (laughs) right? There's no way around it. So why did we pick it, Katie? I am a big fan of the New York Times watching newsletter, and I read a recommendation for this show in that newsletter, and I thought it sounded really intriguing. I also am a huge fan of Kenny Ortega's work, and he directed the episodes that we watched today. Listeners might, listeners with older kids might know him from the High School Musical franchise. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. He also directed the movie that I loved as a third grader, Newsies. So that's, of course, what first brought him to my attention. So I'm always excited to see what new kid stuff he's doing. I think it's always worth a look. So I was really excited to watch this. 
And it's that time of year that we watch something a little bit spooky. So this is going to count for our Halloween programming this year because it's got several ghosts. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so we watched the first three episodes, Wake Up, Bright, and Flying Solo. So we're going to go through the episodes one by one, and then we'll move on to our more general thoughts. So Katie, could you summarize Wake Up? I can definitely do my best to summarize. I'm going to fess up right now and say that the kids were in the room while this was on, so I was not paying the best attention. So in Wake Up, we meet Julie, who is still grieving the loss of her mom, and while cleaning out her mother's old music studio to potentially sell their family home, she discovers an old CD by a band can't believe I forgot the name of the main band. Sunset Curve. Sunset Curve. She pops it in and poof, the dead band members from Sunset Curve who died 25 years ago from eating some bad hot dogs just appear and she's the only one that can see them. I guess I have to stop there if it's only one sentence, but there's also Julie goes to a music school, but she's been finding it really hard to perform ever since her mother died at the end of the episode she finally finds her voice and she sings this knockout number alone at the piano it's a song that her mother had written and it's this wonderful moment where she symbolically begins to move on from this great loss she's had in her life yeah there's way too much to summarize it in one sentence (laughs) there's a lot going on in this show Man, it started off with essentially like a music video of Sunset Curve doing a number before they died, right? Right. It was so long. (laughs) For an introduction to the show, yes. Yes, it was. And I didn't think very good. Like, I definitely, things did not pick up for me until the Julie plotline started going. I would not have gone to a Sunset Curve concert. Would you? I enjoyed their tight harmonies. I might have. All right. Well, you're a more experienced rock star than I am, so I'll give you that. (laughs) The only other thing I noticed right away about the first episode was that these kids died in 1995, right? Mm -hmm. And they're coming back to 2020. The fashions are essentially the same. I know. The drummer was wearing like a, a fanny pack, but like how the cool kids wear it where it's like over one shoulder. And I've been looking for a bag like that for myself. <laughs> By the time I get one, it will be like passe, which is fine. And they, the flannel shirts. Yeah. The thing I couldn't stop thinking about was like, these kids would be like 40 if they had kept living, which I found kind of creepy. But it's kind of an Elena of Avalor situation where they were dead, but it's not like time was passing for them. Right, right, right. They're still like 15 or 18 yeah so they haven't lived these 25 years yeah i had a really hard time getting over the fact that they died by street dog that was a totally questionable setup it wasn't just like a street cart it was some like under some guy's hood like he was cooking the hot dogs on his battery or something yeah it was a bad situation which they recognized before they ate the hot dogs and died (laughs) poor sunset curve so In episode two, titled Bright, Julie sings again. She returns to her piano. The band plays again. They gain 
ghost access to their instruments and find out that the world can hear them. And then Julie and the band perform together to try and earn Julie's spot back in music school. Yes, and everyone can see them when they're playing music. That was a sentence with a lot of M dashes. (laughs) (laughs) Again, there's just a lot going on. This one was a lot of fun and I feel like the gears started turning a little bit more. Yeah and they start to explore like what are the rules of being a ghost? Like at one point they try to find their old neighborhood which has been turned into a commercial area and they get their instruments and they play and like people who are like on the beach can hear them play and are dancing along and actually arguing about where they music is coming from so that was kind of fun but apparently they can only be seen when julie is playing can we just pause for a minute and talk about her ensemble when she does the surprise performance because it took me a really long time to get on board with this whole jumpsuit thing i'm there which means that the trend is over but she (laughs) looks awesome That was the best outfit she wore. She wore some kind of unflattering outfits that didn't make sense to me, but I'm not a youth. Yeah, there was an oversized sweater in the first episode that A was an oversized sweater, but also had like elbow, like peekaboo elbows. Yeah. <laughs> it was very strange. Yeah, and her the pants she wore to school were, I had never seen anything like it. But that jumpsuit was really cute. It yes. was like camo print, mm-hmm. short sleeves, I think. Yeah, and she, in the clothes she was wearing before, she's you can't really see like her shape, mm-hmm. but she looks really, really cute in the jumpsuit because it's more figure defining. Okay, in this episode, they address the surviving member of Sunset Curve, not talk to him, but they bring him up. And I really would like to know what happened to him. And if, are they going to interact with him at some point? Is there any chance that it's Julie's dad? (gasps) Oh. Because why do they still have all this Sunset Curve stuff lying around? Like, they still have their old clothes hanging out in their garage. Like, why wouldn't Julie's family have, like, cleared that away when they moved in? That's a good point. Ooh, maybe it is. Maybe he's Bobby. Never occurred to me. I thought because Julie's mom was the musician, maybe they had bought the house and kept all the gear. I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. Tricky. We have to keep watching. Yeah, I think. I think we do. (laughs) Uh, So flying solo. Are we okay to move on to flying solo? Definitely. All right. So the members of Sunset Curve are rightly super psyched that they can assume corporeal form when performing with Julie. So they decide to invite her to join the band, which feels like a really funny honor that they're bestowing upon her the living person (laughs) but whatever they want julie to join the band she can't even think about it because she's in a fight with her best friend over the fact that she's obviously lying about the fact that she sees ghosts so the only way they can rectify the situation is obviously to tell julie's best friend about the ghosts which they do through a heartfelt musical number called flying solo I, th- I think as the episodes go on, they get easier to describe in one sentence. Yeah, it's a tough premise, but now we all know the rules of who's a ghost and who can see one another. I did totally leave out the whole subplot about the drummer who is gay and meets another dead gay ghost surfer, skateboarder dude. Skate- skateboarder. Yeah. 
And they have a really adorable connection. So apparently there's a whole world of ghosts out there. Who haven't been able to move on yet because they have to resolve something from their previous life, which the skateboarder hasn't yet done. But he's fine with it because he just wants to skateboard wherever he wants. And he's been skateboarding in Justin Bieber's empty pool. So it feels like they're setting up a potential future conflict between the drummer. And I feel bad for not remembering any of the boys' names. The drummer, who seems interested in, like, learning how to move on, Mm -hmm. and the lead guitarist who just wants to stay on the earthly plane and play music with Julie. Mm -hmm. Seems like that's going to be a source of tension. Were you also kind of catching some, like, flirty vibes between Julie and the lead singer? Are they going there, or am I just reaching for it? I think you're onto something. I also think he's just, like, a really endearing character because he's so genuinely enthusiastic about his music Mm -hmm. and like he just wants to play his music he doesn't care that he's dead (laughs) (laughs) so overall thoughts did you like the concept and the plot so much weirder to hear explained than to see Mm -hmm. it works out a lot more smoothly than it sounds like it would yeah I think the characters were so likable that it's just a super silly premise for a show but I was willing to buy into it because I think the casting was really good and the actors were really good Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on the cast and characters okay so I didn't recognize anyone except for, and I had to look up his name because I didn't remember it, but Owen Joyner from Night Squad. Do you remember when we covered Night Squad? I do. So is he the, is he Reggie with the leather jacket? I thought he was the drummer, but maybe not. Oh, no, 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 no. Yep. Now I remember. Maybe I was just fooled by the blonde hair. But it did make me think about how you were saying that these characters are so immediately likable and so relatable despite the bonkers premise Versus a show like Night Squad that felt so stridently overacted. I mean, there's a fair Mm -hmm. bit of overacting going on here, but it feels a lot more grounded. Did you get that sense? I kept comparing it to Disney shows that we've watched for the tween Mm -hmm. teen audience. Because that's who's been making those types of shows. And I thought this was really well done. And I think Disney shows are pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you all know how I feel about zombies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) This was slicker than shows I liked to watch in the 90s, like My So-Called Life and other drama shows. But it had that same, like, really, I don't know, kind of authentic feel to it. It's telling that you would mention My So-Called Life because it felt more like a, a drama than a show made for kids. Mm hmm. Yeah. It felt honest in a way that you wouldn't expect a show about 25-year-old ghost boys to be. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't recognize any of the cast either, but I thought that the dad, Julie's dad, was really cute Mm -hmm. as a dad. And I had to look him back up on IMDb, and his name is Carlos Ponce. And it says that he's an award-winning actor, singer, songwriter, composer. So maybe he is Bobby. We might see him sing. (laughs) That's so exciting. What did you think about the length and the structure of the episodes? 
Honestly, they were really engrossing. I didn't look at the clock while I was watching it, other than to be like, ugh, my kids are driving me bonkers because, I mean, they're way too young to be into this. So the only reason I was clock conscious was to see how much more I had to get through bef- and gauge whether they could make it. Mm-hmm. But that had nothing to do with the length of the show and the way it was structured, I thought. Well, I love the freedom that Netflix gives it to kind of play... 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, whatever they need to get the story through. Yeah, it's like a podcast. Yeah. It can be however long you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with how lazy you're feeling about editing in a given week. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't care for the first song. What did you think of the rest of the music? My overall feeling is that they are good in the moment. They definitely mm-hmm. serve the plot, but they're totally forgettable. That is pretty much my same assessment. Like, I thought the hooks were fun to listen to and catchy, but not in a way that you would listen to it and then start to memorize the lyrics. It wasn't super catchy. There is a sameness about them as well. Yeah, like, they're probably churned out. And I, in this way, I didn't think that it matched Disney's quality right yeah that's a really good point because like I'll listen to the Descendants soundtrack for example because my kids really like it also Kenny Ortega I think oh yeah it's also just really fun to listen to and to sing along I don't know I did enjoy Julie's ballad Mm -hmm. it was very (laughs) Gaga-esque in comparing it to Disney movies I do miss the dancing. I mean, if you're going to have Kenny Ortega as your director, like, don't you want some awesome dance numbers? Maybe they will, but 90s garage bands were, like, anti-dance music, right? I know, and it just makes me so sad. Like, you know how I feel about a good choreographed dance number, Deborah. I love it. But you did get the girls from Dirty Candy. That's Julie's true. That's true. rival who performed at the pep rally. And there was that was dance heavy you're right you're right that's a really good point i just forgot to like it because they're the bad guys deborah and that girl was really mean she was, she was a mean mean girl mm-hmm. what movie or show for grown-ups does this compare to i already mentioned gaga but it was very reminiscent to me of a star is born because it deals with like a very tortured soul making wonderful music and trying to make a really complicated relationship work Mm -hmm. and it also brought me back to when Kenny was born and I got to visit you and I I flew on an airplane remember that guys and you and I went to a movie theater Mm -hmm. to see a star is born and we sat next to other humans and breathed their air (laughs) droplets Okay, so clearly I am shipping Julie and the lead guitarist whose name I refuse to remember because I would like to compare it to Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, you know, they really walked the line with how do you have a living person have a romance with someone who is dead and obviously they did it very well, so perhaps Julie has something to learn. Yeah, that's a good point. Also Twilight, I guess. Were you able to cast the gritty HBO reboot? In mine, Megan the Stallion <laughs> discovers a band made up of recently deceased 
rockers Brett Michaels, Michael Stipe, and Dave Perner, who can only be heard playing their instruments when she's rapping over the top. I like it. Okay, so I've been watching both The Good Fight and Evil, which are both shows that are created by the Kings, and they are very enthusiastic about casting people from Broadway in these shows. So we just got to the point in the first season of Evil where Renee Elise Goldsberry from Hamilton is doing her guest arc. So I think she would be a good Julie analog um, because we know she's got the pipes. But I that might be all I've got. Was she Angelica Schuyler? Yeah. Hamilton? Yeah, she's so good. Yeah, we were watching the show and because we had only seen her in the Hamilton, the Disney Plus Hamilton. I had seen her name in the credits and I was like, oh, is that her? I don't know. And then she said the word sister and I was like, oh no, it's her. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Was it better when we were kids? You hit hit the nail on the head with My So-Called Life. But I feel like this is My So-Called Life, but actually made for kids the age I was when My So-Called Life came out. I was a little young for that show. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I could have used something like Julie. So no, I don't, I don't think it was better. I think it's so fantastic that I kind of hate the word tween, but the 10 to 14 year old kids have so many options. Mm-hmm. And now that they have to be home all the time, they're lucky to have this. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I plan to. I want to know what happens. I want to know what happens too, especially now that you made that prediction about Julia's dad being Bobby. I'm just so bummed because sometimes I can pull the wool over my kids' eyes and like make them watch something that I'm actually interested in watching, but it just won't happen with this. Like, it's just maybe if there are more dance numbers, Kenny could get into it, but. No, this is like kind of a heavy, complex plot for little, little kids like you have. Yeah. So 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I think it's great for kids, but my kids are too young. Yeah, I think I'd be fine with my kids watching this. I think Tony's probably the right age for it. He's 10. Ratings? Oh my gosh, five stars, right? Five stars. Bop, bop. Yeah. So nice to watch a show for teens and not have to make all those, for lack of a better word, excuses for it. Like, uh, yeah, so genuine, so lovely. You should watch it, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even on Gmail at myscreentime2. Please send us your show or movie suggestions. I know that we kind of biffed a little on Halloween this year, guys. Julie and the Phantoms isn't exactly scary, even though it has phantoms in the title. So if there's new Halloween stuff out this year that you've been watching and liking with your kids, we want to hear about it so we can watch it. We'll do a follow-up to Halloween episode. Uh, If you have any article recommendations or just general comments, let us know. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children. And our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Bye.